and hello good people of the internet it is i tom kelly and this is adventures from woo woo and uh in this episode what i thought what i would do is i would do a card reading 47 reading for uh the coronavirus and see what's going on now as with all readings we only take this i was going to say not to take it seriously but that's not what i mean we can take it seriously just don't be too serious about it in that it's not the word of god or it's not the uh you know I don't have access to the defined plan. And what I always think of as readings is kind of a snapshot for start, meaning that as soon as you do a reading, it changes the future. Anyway, but more as kind of advice from a friend. So say you have someone whose opinion you respect and you go to them with a problem and they tell you something and you can get, you know, a different perspective and a, a kind of different view on it and a bit of help and a bit of feedback. But it's not the word of God. It's not, you know, it's not the, the one true way or anything like that. That's why I tend to view readings. Still find it very useful. So I don't know what my exact question should be. Um, what do we need to know about the coronavirus and the weeks ahead? Okay. So the protector. So I mean that's that's fairly obvious. We need to protect ourselves. We need to make sure our um, Things we're following the procedures that uh, are believed to be the things that will stop this thing from spreading too far, and you know, and we have a kind of a thing that we we feel, and I go by social media that it's all a bit of a hoax, a bit of a mess. You know, it's you know that this is too severe for what it actually is. It's just a bit of a flu. But I mean, what harm is it going to be really to you? To, you know, to kind of chill out and stay indoors and all that. Now I know I am I'm very aware of all of the kind of business element things and the financial stuff and the loneliness and all these things. I mean, what harm is there to it? A lot of harm. But what harm is compared to what could be the, you know, the, the, the outcome that could be given to us if we uh, don't follow these things? If we don't try at least to try um, to pull back, you know, the tides of this thing spreading and stuff like that. So protect yourself. But that also, I suppose, would mean protect yourself emotionally, mentally, as well as physically. You know, so make sure that you do have your safeguards put in place for your mental health, for your emotional health, for, you know, all your different needs, not just your toilet paper. You know, have all of your things kind of um, looked after, your social needs as well, you know, and don't spend so much time on social media um, if it's starting to depress you and panic you and stuff like that. But, you know, enough time, a balance, a perfect balance of enough time to check in with people, make sure everyone's OK, make sure you're OK. And, uh, but follow the procedures. Let's do this thing. We've no real choice anyway. So that's my reading on the, on the protector. And I know it's easy for me to say, given that uh, I spend all day <laughs> in quarantine anyway. Oh, card is jumping out. Two cards are jumping out. The first one is the levitator. And the levitator suggests you rise above it all. That you don't, you know, you don't succumb to the kind of panic that is going on. That you don't... Um, get embedded in the kind of misery or the um, when everyone's going insane and everyone's losing their minds and all that, that you try to rise above the situation and see it from a, a higher perspective from a greater perspective and keep your kind of approach to the whole thing that's unfolding while you know be grounded in reality but don't get too bogged down in the hysteria you know see it from a bigger picture see it from we're doing these things and it's not aimed at you or it's not aimed at your community because we're a global type thing, you know, we're global people. We're trying to help everyone, not just our own well-being. And while it's a bit kind of um, hard to see things from the greater, bigger perspective, 
Um, it's, it's worthwhile in this situation to keep an eye on that we're not just seeing it from our own little kind of point of light, that we see it from the greater light. And not to get bogged down, you know, stress, not to get bogged down in the hysteria and the panic and stuff like that. Take each day as it comes and each challenge as it comes and uh, go from there. And the final card is the seer. And this would suggest that you go with your intuition on things. If you feel sick, you know, go with that, you know, or just kind of go with your gut and this kind of thing. So it's seeing, there's something I'm not getting about this. It's more than just if you feel, yeah, don't leave anything to chance. You know, don't leave, if, if you've been told certain things by people around you, whatever, or no, don't do that, don't do that, or whatever, and you have a deep gut feeling about something, go with your gut on this, feel it out too, while still taking the kind of advice of protecting yourself and rising above the panic and hysteria. But I don't think it's kind of saying rising above the panic and hysteria to do your own type of thing, you know, you know, kind of, fuck the government, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go and sneeze in a load of children. I don't think it's saying that, but it's like, just that if you have a kind of a, a sense of something, then, you know, to be aware of it, you know, with the kind of caveat that you have to, you know, stay protected and you have to see it from the bigger picture and all of these type of things that we've talked about. I mean, that reading is kind of, it's very on the nose. It's not anything new. It's, you know, it's the four servants telling us exactly what everyone else is telling us, I suppose, just to protect yourself. Don't give in to the panic. And if you have a kind of a feeling and a gut feeling around it, be okay to kind of, um, you know, trust yourself in these things. That's it. This is what it is. Trust yourself within all of this. Don't lose yourself. This is what the seer is saying. Don't lose yourself to the panic. Don't lose yourself to overprotecting or the whole thing that's going on, to the hysteria, the whole thing. Trust. Still remember, trust yourself within all of these things. So um, that's the reading for today. And uh, be well, good people of the internet. And look after yourself and look after the people around you. These are trying times. And... Uh, it's easy to panic and it's easy to uh, feel the fear, but we won't. We'll, we'll continue and we'll pursue our dreams and we'll keep going. Until next time, be well. Hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. And it has been suggested that I should start these new vlogs, these daily thoughts of the day, with uh, a Grant Morrison-esque scream, a primal scream. But uh, I don't think I want to shock you that much, although I really enjoy the idea of doing something like that. Um, thank you, Jamie, for suggesting it. Um, but, you know, and it, it's kind of relevant to what I want to talk about today and Grant Morrison. Right now, I've just put up a post. I've made a thing. I've made a meme. One of many memes I've made. I must talk to you someday about how I uh, managed to get in contact with uh, one of my heroes, magic heroes, by using a meme. Story from another day. So anyway, it was a Grant Morrison uh, quote, and it's from a long while ago. It's from, it's like, I think the 90s, and it's all about the idea of um, that the most rebellious act or the biggest thing, the biggest taboo in society today, my word, not his, but I think that's what he's pointing at, is the fact that you're not allowed to be positive and that the real punk rock rebellion, the real kind of insurgency is to have this optimism and he calls it like a fuck you optimism. But I'll read the entire quote for you off my phone. Please excuse me while I eyes, my eyes are redirected from you. I won't attempt a Scottish accent either. In today's world, in today's media climate designed to foster the fear our leaders like us to feel, 
because it makes us easier to push around. In a world where limp, wimpy men are forced to talk, tr talk tough and act badass, even though we all know they're shitting it inside. In a world where the measure of our moral strength has come to lie in the extremity of the images we are able to look at and stomach. In a world, I'm reliably told, it's going to the dogs, the real mischief, the real punk rock rebellion is a snarling fuck you positivity and optimism. Violent optimism in the face of all evidence to the contrary is the alpha form of outrage these days. It really freaks people out. I have a desire not to see my culture and my fellow human beings fall helplessly into step with a middle class media narrative that promises only planetary catastrophe as engineered by an intrinsically evil and corrupt species which in fact deserves everything it gets. In this relentless downbeat insistence that the future has been cancelled really the best we can come up with? Are we so fucked up we get off on terrifying our children? It's not funny or ironic anymore. Everything has changed. Dark entertainment now looks like hysterical adolescent crap. And like as I said that's, that's a long time ago. That's pre-Twitter. Uh, I wonder why I go straight to Twitter for you know the, the, the kind of a rebellion against it. But Twitter is a quite negative place like and that whole kind of public shaming thing that John Ronson talked about is you know that's really centered more around Twitter than anywhere else on the social media. Not to say that you know Facebook is, is any better and certainly Reddit has its, it's, it's, it's an immense amount of darkness too. Um, but it's just this kind of insistence that if you're positive, one thing I've noticed if you're if you try to be positive people think you're being naive but also think you're not taking things seriously or you're not giving the world the gravitas it deserves. That you're not a good person unless you're kind of in some way shook or horrified or negative or feel depressed about the, you know, the bad stuff in the world. That if you're in any way kind of happy or positive or upbeat then obviously you're selfish or you don't care about other people. And I don't think that's very fair. That's, that's like a, an immense kind of form of societal gaslighting that we've kind of done to ourselves where we've decided that if you are happy <laughs> while there's anyone else in the world unhappy you are a bad person. Now I understand that we all can do our best and you know should go out of our way as much as we can to do you know to elevate everyone in the world and all that but to kind of destroy someone being happy um, and not allow them to be, to be positive or have any kind of uh, affirmation in their life because it has to be negated because the world is a terrible place and how dare you be happy how dare you are a shitty person for being happy and all of this it's just it's so it's impossible to do because you're saying basically what we're saying to each other is that it's not right that you are unhappy because there are people who are unhappy but an awful lot of the unhappiness is coming from not allowing ourselves to be happy and uh, I just find that, I've, that some of the stuff has been coming up in my own kind of personal sphere of stuff through the therapy I've talked about in uh, other videos and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm kind of well clued into it or I'm well aware of it rather than clued into it because an awful lot of it's still quite insidious and hidden. But I do think that a, a kind of a, a punk rock, being imagine being positive about the future and positive about the world and not going out and saying that human race is the worst thing in the world. You know when people go, oh humans or oh white, white people or oh men or whatever it is. I mean it's like I am the worst of the worst. I am a western white cis male who's all the privilege of all the things. So like I mean I am not allowed to be happy and I understand where all of this comes from and I completely get it that there's so much injustice and there's so much kind of hardship in the world and I'm not kind of saying that 
you should be happy and fuck everyone else. But a, a bit of positivity isn't such, doesn't make you a bad person. That's kind of my point with it. Given the way the world is, I think we could do with people being allowed to be positive and people being a bit more positive rather than adding to the sum total of negativity, of panic, of exhaustion, of misery, of feeling the world is terrible and that humans are terrible and that we've some, side, some kind of way of separated ourselves from nature and that we are this thing that's destroying nature rather than understanding we are part of nature. Obviously nature has, you know, uh, has come to the point where we have emerged from it, as Alan Watts says, it's, you know, an apple tree apples, a planet, planet Earth peoples, and it's a natural thing, it's a good thing, it's a thing that Mother Nature, as we as part of Mother Nature, are part of. And we, you know, we shouldn't go around with this kind of self-loading and kind of negate everyone around us if they're feeling positive. And I understand <laughs> that in me saying this, I'm also poo-pooing other people and their thing. It's, it's, I don't know. There was a guy who messaged me and he was saying, after I put up this post, and he said, how can I be positive when so much is going on in the world, when my dad has the symptoms of the COVID-19 coronavirus and there's a 10% chance that he is going to die? How can you be positive in that? And I understand, it's scary times. But my answer was that it is hard to be positive. It's not the, the kind of our default state. It's not the way we are allowed to be as a society for a million reasons. Some of them are good, some of them are, are not. Some of them are, you know, gaslighting. Some of them are, are, are completely legitimate. But what the point is, I, I try to say to him is that the hard bit, the easy way to look at something like this is at the 10% of your father dying. And it's not easy, but I mean, it's the most kind of straight through way. Your brain will go straight to the 10% doom. But there's a 90% chance of not doom. But yeah, we always go to the 10% doom. And I said, that is the fuck you positivity that Grant Morrison, I believe, is talking about is let's have a look at the 90% for a while. And that's all rather than just immediately going to the 10%. So I think if we, my official, my official stance on the, on the whole pandemic and all that is I'm going to be relentlessly positive as an act of rebellion, as an act of insurgency, and as a punk rock, and as a bit of mischief, as a good chaos agent in the world sneaking a bit of positivity under the door when no one's looking. So good people of the internet, I hope I made clear enough what my point was in this. Probably not. If you have a, if you could, if you disagree with me, let me know in the comments below and tell me why, why I shouldn't be allowed to be positive, why people shouldn't be positive. And if you agree with me, let's be positive together. So until next time, be well. And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. And in this episode, I have been uh, requested, or suggested at least, to talk a bit about what to do when your magic kind of slows down, or you get into a slump, or that you, um, you know, it just no longer works in the way that it used to. And there's a number of reasons, and I've talked about this in various different places, on podcasts and on different videos and stuff. Probably not all in one place, though. There's a number of reasons I think this happens. One is this kind of very well-known phenomenon that when you start something, 
you kind of get this beginner's look thing and of course like we have the beginner's look kind of uh, statement or description of it and it's very prevalent in magic and in, uh, and in uh, when people start getting into things and they'll do a couple of sigils and they'll have great success and they go oh, here we go you know <laughs> this is it and then you know kind of kind of stops or slows down or you know that doesn't have the same impact that they once had and a lot of people then kind of get disillusioned with it and you know go ah well it was all all rubbish and I obviously just kind of you know just had um convinced myself that it was true and it wasn't really true so there, it's like it's well reported this kind of phenomenon at the beginning and I, I kind of feel it's like you get this well there's a few things I think happening I think you kind of get a couple of free free freebies at the beginning where the universe goes hey you know here you go this here's here's how it works and then after a couple of times to go, well, now you have to actually, you know, go off and study and learn and do some of the work, you know, do some of the, the things that you need to do in order to progress along the path. And so you don't get it as easy. Maybe. The other thing is you go into it fearlessly <laughs> and you absolutely just think that, you know, you don't know enough about it to know what can go wrong. It's like if you, uh, you know, start playing, say, pool or something like that and, you know, you you... Don't overthink it. You're not thinking angles. You're not thinking. You're thinking getting the ball into the pocket, and you you know you can do that. Whereas then you you know the more you kind of work at it or practice or play, you start thinking more of it's not just this shot, it's the next shot, and then you're thinking three shots ahead. So the whole thing becomes an awful lot more complicated, and therefore you you know you kind of make it harder for yourself in there because you, you're looking for a bigger thing. You know you're not just looking for this one shot. You're looking for a bigger picture and i think some of that is kind of what's going on there's also a thing that happens in art which is this kind of idea of that you're you go through stages of thinking that i'm shit and then i can't or i can't draw and then you know then you get back to where you were and what seems to be happening is that you have this notion of that your eye or your understanding or your appreciation of art gets better quicker than your technical ability so you can look at a drawing and go oh look at that arm that's terrible or look at those eyes because your appreciation or your knowledge of what it should look like has gone up then you get to the technique but you know to match how you think your art should be and then you, you know you, your your eye progresses again further so you keep going through stages of kind of thinking all right i'm okay oh i'm a terrible artist oh i'm okay oh i'm a terrible artist but it's just a two parts of your brain are kind of progressing at different things so that could be an element too Another thing coming out of this kind of uh, why it works at the beginning and why it doesn't maybe later on is the idea of beginner's mind. And we kind of tend to forget about the things that we've done in the beginning that made it work, which is why it's very important to keep a diary of all your workings and can look back. Well, what, what was I doing at the beginning that I'm not doing now? And you'll be surprised at what, you know, lengths you used to go to, to, to in your um, initial stages that you just don't know, do now. Like you do shortcuts now or you just don't take things as seriously. Or, you know, like things like, well, I don't really need to fast if you're into fasting for magic. Or I don't really need to do the meditation. Or, you know, I don't really need to stare at the sigil for 10 minutes. I can just fire it off and throw it, you know, I can just draw it and throw it on the wall and that should be fine. And you probably will notice that you did stuff differently than you do now. Maybe try some of the old stuff again. Just to see if you can, you know, get past this beginner or get back to beginner's mind where you were a bit more open to... You know, doing things not necessarily in the correct way, but in a uh, in a less shortcutty way. That's not to say that, of course, you shouldn't find your own shortcuts. You can, but it's just if you're in a slump or you're in a kind of thing where your magic isn't working or anything you're working on. One of the main things I found in my life of why my magic stopped working, and it's kind of nearly 
a thing that I see in other people as well, but it's hard to kind of talk to other people about it because you're basically telling them, you know, sort your own shit out. But it's easier to talk about yourself because, you know, it's your shit and it's, in a sense, your thing to deal with. And it's, it's, it's about shadow work or having limiting beliefs. Shadow work is just, uh, for people that know, looking at the dark side of things, not just all the good qualities about yourself. It's looking at the, the, the hidden things from you, the things that you have to work on, the bad qualities, the negative qualities, you know, your shitty assholicness and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's working through these kind of things um, can lead to f your magic kind of getting... Not walking through these things can lead to your magic trying to get, get kind of, you know, stagnating and stuff like that. And then when you do kind of get through the next level of your shadow work stuff, it seems to open up a bit again. I did a video as well before about where I talked about where certain parts of your life that you're kind of avoiding can have knock-on effects in other parts of your life. And I find that to be very true. And I think the shadow work thing is an element of that. Whereas when you're, you're ignoring one part of your development, say, uh, as a person that it can have knock-on effects and can kind of block the energy man uh, in other areas of your life that don't seem connected at all. And an example I give, there was a kind of a, an altercation I had with someone that I hadn't dealt with, that I was kind of going, I'm not dealing with that anymore. And I kept coming up in synchronicities and stuff, but I kept pushing it away. But um, it started affecting sales and my work and stuff like that. And they're not connected in any kind of way whatsoever. Um, and then when I started, you know, accepting the sinks and kind of just because it got really on the nose and I was like, kind of go, you have to deal with this, <laughs> start dealing with it. And I did. And it immediately, like immediately within half an hour, um, an hour, uh, sales of the deck or whatever. I think it was sales of the deck um, and, you know, just started doing it again. And that has happened to me a number of occasions where I won't be dealing with one element of my life that will have a complete knock-on effect on other parts. And also, you'll probably notice it in things where if you start worrying about stuff, that it also seems to have a kind of a, a negative um, blocking effect, you know, that, on things. So this whole thing of just letting it go, letting go, you know, don't have lust for result, all of these things. I, I, there is something in it. I just think we have a kind of wrong idea of what the lust or result is because it kind of, you can torture yourself trying to keep something out of your mind. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. And I don't think that's quite exactly what it is. For me, lust of result is, um, and trying to remove that, is to just the allowance of it. Not obsess about it, but like, don't try to wreck your brain or destroy your head by saying, oh, I can't, I can't think about this, I can't think about this, I'm not allowed to think about this, I'm meant to forget about it. That's my kind of take, take on that. So when you, you know, have all these kind of things that are um, elements to your magic, where you, you know, you have your shadow work, you have, you know, even limiting beliefs that you can start bringing in that you don't deserve this to happen. You know, that at the beginning when you're just kind of testing out magic and doing this kind of thing, you're not really kind of bringing any of your own shit to it, like your own limiting beliefs or your own kind of conditioning or whatever. You're just kind of going with it and go, oh, well, this is crazy. And then when you go, oh, it works. And then all your limiting beliefs can start kicking in and go, oh, well, I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this. This is for, you know, this is good things for free. This is positive stuff. Oh, no, I need to work for this. You shouldn't get things for nothing. Or all, you know, all of these different kind of limiting beliefs we have or I'm not worthy or shame or any amount of things that we can have in our brains and in our psyches that can hold us back that wouldn't be there at the beginning because we're just testing this kind of things out. We haven't, you know, we haven't started to overthink it or any of that. So, yeah, I think just kind of a number of things that I think can be a factor in it. The other factor is, of course, is who knows, you know, like it could be maybe it's the space weather, which is not, uh, kind of a, 
you know, astrology, or maybe it's the alignment of the planets, or maybe it's, you know, you're on a ley line, or all of these other things you can look into yourself. Um, but for me, it's usually, I find if something isn't working, then it's something in me rather than the thing, because definitely magic works for so many people. And I remember during periods of the time where it wasn't working for me, kind of realizing that, wow, I must be the problem. But don't get into blaming yourself and beating yourself up either. It's just a call, call to action to kind of work on some of this stuff. Have a look around. Where could your blocks be? Where could your limiting beliefs be? What is it about the type of magic that you're doing now that maybe isn't as, um, you're not putting not as much effort, that's not what I want to say. You're not putting, um, you're not doing it in the way you used to do at the beginning where you wouldn't take shortcuts or you wouldn't do different things you know you did it in different ways what are you doing differently about your magic now and then you know just go through it and sometimes the the ultimate thing or the, the thing that you should do is just take a break from magic for a while just stop it i know i kind of did when i was going through the kind of the therapy stuff that i was doing because i really wanted to be in a very rational type type of place not really have magical thinking because that was what i needed to sort out and that's what i needed to get, to get the grips with so in a sense, I just took a wee break from it. Like I was always kind of informing the background of things as well. Like I didn't completely become Richard Dawkins or anything like that. But sometimes you just are in a place where you don't need or you shouldn't, um, you know, you shouldn't worry too much about magic and stuff like that. And you, you maybe just need to be in a different place. So all of that rambling is just to say that there are many reasons why your magic could be in a slump and why it slows down. And uh, you're probably just going to have to work it out for yourself. But I would say keep a diary. It's, you know, have a look at what you're, what succeeded for you, what didn't succeed for you. And uh, have a look at your limiting beliefs. Have a look at beginner's mind. See if you're doing that kind of art thing where your eye or your appreciation of what, you know, uh, your level of uh, technique is higher or lower than your actual technique. All of these type of things. And uh, just persevere and just keep going and uh, hope that it eventually comes back. It's the same with meditation, though. You can go through different stages of, you know, really getting insights and, you know, really going, oh, this is my meditation is practice or is a great practice. I'm in a great place. And then other days or you could have weeks, years of it just being terrible or just monkey mind brain. And you feel like you're back at the beginning or what's the point and all that. But it's part of the process. It's part of the game. And giving up is where you lose. So don't give up. Just keep at it. Keep doing your thing. And hopefully we all get there in the end. So good people of the internet, until our next adventure, be well. And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. In this episode, I just want to talk a bit about my creative process because it's been asked of me a number of times and it's all well and good for me kind of producing, you know, like a, a comic, as I have done many times or whatever it is. And um, when people are saying, well, how did you get to that stage? You know, well, what is the, the bits leading up to that rather than just showing the kind of end piece? And I myself, I'm very much into the whole process junkie things. I like seeing behind the curtain. I like looking at other artists drawing. I like uh, listening to interviews of, uh, you know, writers. And I like the behind the scenes. I like the extra features on uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. And uh, I love director's commentaries, all of these things. I like knowing what's going on behind things. So I totally understand the whole idea of wanting to know you know, how I do things. Now, of course, Alan Moore has said that um, the hardest question that any artist can be asked is where do your ideas come from? Neil Gaiman uh, echoes this in his masterclass, which I've done recently, which is really good if you are into Neil Gaiman or you're into masterclasses. Really good in writing. And um, 
It's a, he says it's the hardest question and that the one that most kind of people kind of dismiss or just go, oh, yeah, yeah. It's because, you know, most artists don't know, most creative people don't know how to actually answer it because where do ideas come from? Alan Moore's kind of uh, idea is that there, it's an idea space, like an astral plane where all these ideas hang out and, uh, you know, they arrive to people and people then can materialize them into the world. And I feel that's very true. And that's how it feels anyway in an awful lot of my work. And particularly even like even down to the Forty Servants, but around them, which is a graphic novel I wrote, or the Holy Numbers, or any any of the other stuff I've done, there definitely seems to be a kind of way of once I get myself out of the way, the idea has a place to come in. Now it's not quite channeling. It's not that there's a spirit talking to me or that thing, but it's not very far off. And it is kind of this kind of an allowing of the idea to come to you. So how does that look practically? I suppose. Well, at the very beginning, when I've decided that I'm going to do something new, like at the minute I am working on a new comic, um, I'm getting very close to the actual starting the, the thing because all the pre-production is now coming together and coming to an end. And how? The, so what I did was I, when I said, well, I wanted to do something, um, at first kind of the thing that came to me was rather than I want to do something, it, it, it kind of as if there was a, <laughs> it's hard to explain these things, but as if there was a kind of material weight or a presence or something that had arrived in my mind it says hello <laughs> i have an idea do you want to you want to make me here and i don't can't really describe that other than there was just kind of a gem or a, a genesis of something and that could just have me being kind of at the back of mind saying i want to do a, a new comic and let's see what ideas i have but it, it kind of felt like there was something else and it's interesting that though all those initial ideas that arrived kind of get taken away and moved away and then the actual real idea comes and that's something I definitely have found in all of my creative projects in that the initial, very initial stages, the thing that gets you enthused and wanting to do it, the main kind of crux, the main idea I originally had for the comic probably now won't end up ultimately being in it. And it's that whole idea of, that you might come across, it's this idea of kill your babies or kill your darlings, which is the, the bit that you think is the most important to you. Don't hold on to it too much because it might actually be having a negative effect on, you know, a, a better story or creating a better story. So then when I kind of uh, have this idea, I just spend an awful lot of time just kind of allowing ideas to come to me, just kind of um, ruminating over the different ideas, asking myself questions like why would, you know, why would this happen? What would the world look like? What would the people be? What would actually happen? How would the physics work? How would that, the, you know, if this happened at the beginning, how would that affect the end? And just kind of allowing all of these thoughts to kind of stew in my brain. And then I'll start looking at different things to inspire me. Like I'll start looking at different documentaries that get me pumped. Like Talking With Gods, the Grant Morrison documentary, definitely gets me in a very creative kind of place. Other things do as well. I did a number of master classes around writing um, just so I could have a, a good framework of how to approach uh, the story in the way I wanted to do it and have a, you know, a really good kind of solid background in good writing technique or good storytelling. I also... Um, did some life drawing uh, classes and did a few other things, uh, followed a lot of like YouTube classes and stuff just about drawing to up my game a bit on the, on the art front so that I'm able to do things that I wouldn't normally have been, not normally, wouldn't have been able to do previously so that I'm uh, approaching the kind of comic where the whole thing is me levelling up, art, story, ideas, all of these things and I have to be in a sense be more capable of an artist in order to do these greater ideas. That happened each time I did a kind of a, a new a thing. Like there was definitely a period before them and the Holy Numbers that I spent working on becoming a better artist and writer before, you know, it became the solid 
got into the solid work of the actual comic and i think that's important it is it's a part of my ritual it may not be have to be a part of your ritual but it's you know don't dismiss it and then i start looking around like particularly when i'm doing a comic so i want to work out what the style is so i look at other people and what they've done and try and kind of go well i like that and i want to incorporate bits of that and i like that and i want to incorporate bits of that and i want to put these together and it's not about copying and it's not about like ripping off other people's ideas directly it's like literally the influence thing where you go well i like the kind of atmosphere of something like say i really like the atmosphere of akira if that's what you like uh, but don't then write you know a new akira just take the elements that you enjoy from it rather than wholesale ripping off something else so like oh i, li I like the colors of akira so i can bring something in about that um, I like um, Sandman by Neil Gaiman, but it's not that I'm going to write something about, you know, um, the endless or the gods or, you know, dreams or something like that. But I like the kind of surrealness or the, the you know, the etericness of, of that and the kind of the mystery in that. So I'll incorporate some of some of that. Or there's a great kind of thing in um, the end notes of FIFA Fendetta when they're talking about putting FIFA Fendetta uh, together, you know, and kind of um, coming up with the ideas and... Uh, Alan Moore wrote down a list of all the people that he wanted to incorporate bits of the personality into the character. David Bowie's one of them and a number of other people. And I find that quite helpful in that if I have characters that I'm not quite sure of how to, um, you, you know, fully flesh them out, I'll cast them with a real actor for a while and see how that looks. And maybe even, you know, they might retain some of the likeness and stuff like that, but it gives them a bit more of a life. But very soon they kind of move into their own characters. It's always like this kind of initial... Um, jump starts to get these characters going same think about the setting and think about uh, all the different elements that you're going to have in your work but certainly look around even in your own life and kind of uh, have a look at different scenarios and different things that happen to you and go I'll have you I'll put you in my story I'll have you know different characters you may have met or different ideas that you've come across and you can all kind of bring them into the melting pot that is your story and then again let that kind of just <laughs> it's all very hippie but let that kind of wash over you and just see what comes out. My main kind of thing that I find helpful is, is this idea of getting out of your own way and allowing these ideas to form within you and come out in the way that they want to be developed. Now, again, I, I'll stress it's not a kind of a channeling thing, but it's, it's, that's about the closest kind of thing I can put to it without using the word because it's, not, it's obviously not a channeling thing, but it's just kind of allow these things to flow out from you, man. Um, and then, you know, you'd, at some point you're going to have to do the work. So you're going to have to then, you know, start taking actual notes and you're going to have to start um, putting the stuff actually together and get it a bit more coherent and pull all these things into a, a solid bit. And that's how I, where I am now, kind of at, at the stage of my new comic. I have enough of the story and the characters in mind that I have a concrete way to go into it, but enough that I don't know that I, I will allow the story to tell itself as it wants to be, which is quite a kind of, that's the way I work. Not all people work like that, obviously. Some people need a very solid layout. A, B, C happens, and then it ends with D. I don't like that. I like to discover what's going on as it goes on, kind of set up the characters. There'll be certain beats along the way, so I know like certain things that are going to happen, but how we get there and how the characters react to them will be kind of decided by the characters when we get there. So it's... As it's a kind of a magical act too, there's a, a kind of more, there's a hypersigilness element to it. If you don't know hypersigil, I have done another video that you can look about. So I have, I've already decided what the hypersigil is. What is the point of my story? What am I trying to do from a magic point of view and also from a kind of a mundane storytelling point of view? And I think that's important. Well, it's certainly important for me 
to know why I'm doing this. Because that can lead the story in many different ways and it also leads to the magic in very different ways. So that's kind of it. It's an awful lot of just looking around and seeing what you like, taking different elements from that without not ripping people off. It's not about kind of wholesale taking other people's ideas. It's going, why do I like that? And what is it that I want to incorporate from that into my art? It's, the, it's definitely my way of approach. Like I like the cleanness of uh, Jaime Hernandez's Love and Rockets work, but I'm not going to draw like uh, Jamie, uh, or Jaime Hernandez. It's, I'm going to draw like me, but I'm going to incorporate some of this clean kind of stuff. I love Ennio Asano's backgrounds. I'm not going to wholesale rip off Ennio Asano because that, that's, you know, what I love about these uh, artists is their uniqueness too. So I don't just want to do what they do, just but like take pointers from them. And then storylines, look at the different stories that you're into and why do you like them and then incorporate that rather than taking the structure wholesale, as I say, from these other things. And then get out of your way as much and let these ideas kind of percolate around you and do their own thing and kind of tell you what they want to do. You know, have a look at, um, you know, rather than just, as I said, killing your darlings, don't hold on to anything at any point until you get to the, you know, you have your fully formed idea, but allow all of these things just to go in their own way. And if an idea comes up that you enjoy, but it kind of negates or destroys, you know, your earlier ideas, that's fine. Just go with it and see where it goes. And it's all, it's all very mystical and magical. But this is it. We go back to why Alan Moore says it's the hardest question to answer, because you end up talking like this, like the way I'm in kind of a weird kind of a nonsense manner. Because for me, magic is art and art is magic. And it's about taking these things that we have either in our head or as Almore says, an idea space from the astral plane or they're out there or separate from us and materializing them. And that's a very mystic, magical act. And it's so weird, but we take it so much for granted because it's a normal kind of thing that we do. But when you think about it, like it, it's not, you know, it's a strange thing to uh, materialize thoughts or creativity or ideas or concepts and put them into some sort of artwork. So I hope that helps. I'm not sure if it will or not because it's, it's as I say, it is a bit kind of nonsensical and it's a bit all over the place and it's not like do this ABCD. But hopefully it helps some of you um, to be a bit more creative or in some ways, you know, knowing what I do might in some way inform how you do things. But everyone will find their own way. So I would like to hear what you, how your creative uh, kind of thing goes. Like, what do you do to get into the mindset of creating some new things? What is the type of things you do, the rituals that you do that get you into this? And I don't mean like necessarily like, oh, I do, you know, a magic ritual, but I mean, what kind of stuff do you sit down? Do you watch documentaries? How do you get in the mode? How do you get into the kind of the train or the, the, the thought process of creating stuff? Anyway. This has made me ramble uh, more than normally, so um, I'm going to make my exit. So good people of the internet, until our next adventure, be well. And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. In this episode, I want to talk a bit about appreciation. And this video has been a hard video for me to do because I've done it a number of times and I keep kind of fumbling over my words. And I think one of the reasons for that, well, there's a number of reasons. One reason is that I've started to take these a bit too seriously, which is something I do. And that these were meant to be just kind of not necessarily throwaway videos, but just short, sharp shocks where I just talk for five minutes about something and didn't edit, didn't overthink it and all that. And I've started to overthink it. And uh, so I'm just going to have to try and relax a bit more around that. 
but you know such is the way the other kind of thing i think is happening with this is that there's a kind of a fear around me of kind of insulting people which is interesting because it's a, a the video is meant to be an appreciation video um of of people and it, it's like when you're talking around certain things and I'll explain actually what I'm talking about first before I explain what's wrong. It's just I've done this video so often that I, I can't forget, I sort of forget what I've done and what I haven't done. I just want to talk about how it's become very kind of noticeable that services and people who work in certain jobs and certain things are way more essential to us than we would have possibly realised or at least that we took too much for granted. And while there was a certain appreciation for people who work in hospitals and probably not enough where you have doctors and nurses and the staff and all of this kind of thing and that's really come to the forefront how just how important that is we kind of probably had an inkling how important it was even if we didn't appreciate it as much as we should because we've been to hospitals in times of great stress and great emotion you know either someone's dying or very sick or you know someone's giving birth or something like that but it's always high emotion and you're kind of relying on these strangers to look after you and uh, if your experience is anything like mine, most of these people are angels and have looked after us, ex you know, exceedingly well, above and above, above and, what's that expression? Above and beyond the kind of call of duty kind of thing. No, that's something that I'm very thankful for. But I should be even more appreciative of all that because, you know, these people, you forget that they constantly put themselves in harm's way to help people. And that's come to the forefront. But then there's this whole other side of other people who are, you know, doing equal kind of great work and I think this is where my kind of um, problem lying in kind of is in this feeling that you're insulting or putting people down by elevating say someone who works on a shop you know works in a shop stacking shelves and you kind of go well these now have become an essential service and there's part of me as much as I appreciate that still doesn't want to kind of put it on the level of say a doctor and a nurse who's also doing essential service but yet it's really come to the forefront and really come to mind and we're really seeing just how essential the jobs are of people working in shops, people who are driving trucks and people who are um, keeping the whole system going uh, in this time of, you know, of weirdness. And that this whole kind of frontline sort of group of people and just how essential it is and how we don't appreciate that, even to the point that it takes me eight million times to do a video to talk about my appreciation of these people without find, without feeling that I am somehow uh, being less appreciative of other people. And it's a very kind of odd thing that I need to unpack a bit. When I was in the, the supermarkets yesterday, and I try not to go too often because we're, we're fairly good here in Ireland. We're doing the social distancing and, you know, we're in the supermarkets we have the places set out where you can you can't stand beside other people and there's all these screens up and all that and we're doing well now but i was talking to one of the women and because it's, i live in a kind of a villagey town thing we all kind of know each other and she was just saying you know the panic has just died down a bit but people are still you know as it is you know still fairly panicked and all this kind of stuff and there's no pasta again it is sold out and there's no you know flour and all these different things and i was asking her how you know how she felt about being in kind of harm's way and she's kind of go, well, you know, anyone here who had an underlying condition was allowed to leave immediately. Anyone who was here who didn't want to be here because they were scared, they were allowed to leave. No questions asked, no judgments. And she was just talking about, you know, it's like she's here, this is what she's going to do. And it's only when she gets home and watches the news that the fear gets instilled back into her. But when she's at work, it's fine and she's okay. And I've just felt this kind of need just to say, well, I appreciate, uh, you know, you doing this in this time of you know weirdness and you know putting yourself on the line and putting your health and all that kind of thing and she was genuinely quite taken back not taken back she was genuinely very appreciative of it 
and that made me feel good feel me warm inside and so when I was in the post office today I did it as well I was talking to the one behind the counter and I tried to you know uh, explain to her that you know I was really appreciative of it and she was saying oh yeah it's great crack to come down here and you know give me money and I was going well even the simple things of posting some letters and uh, can make it feel a bit more normal and, and can kind of steady yourself and uh, you know make it all feel like the world isn't falling apart too much and I suppose what I'm trying to say is that while you could probably put things in tears where you say, well, people who are working in hospitals are more, uh, should be more appreciated than people stacking shelves in a supermarket. And there's obviously some hesitance in me, hesitancy in me to, uh, around that, because as I say, it took me so many times to do this for you. But I think maybe not, because maybe it comes to the point that when all essential businesses have been shut, which they have now, and what you see is the people around still doing their things, and you see that we need to eat. We need deliveries. We need posts, say, for to keep the kind of structure and you know society going, and you know for people who need things that you can't get in the local supermarket and all of these type of things. And like people who work in the Amazon warehouses must be exhausted, and they're like kind of getting to the stage where they're going to start getting sick too. And it's all like, like this world is full of heroes in a sense, and we have this idea of looking down in a way at these kind of jobs and not taking them to be as critical or as wordy as say the hospital jobs and that's not to take away from the wonderful angels that are at the hospitals but it's like let's elevate these other people let's pay them a bit better for a start when it's like obviously <laughs> when you've seen just how essential and how much we need them and it's just I don't know it's just the whole idea of appreciation it's probably a bit like the positivity thing I talked about there's a kind of a there's a societal pressure to appreciate certain things and to put people on a certain level above other people. Like look how much appreciation we give to superstars and to, you know, Instagram celebrities and all this thing. And then when it comes to it, when there's like the end of the world, how insignificant they are to our lives, really. But yet how the person who is taking pasta out of a box and putting it on a shelf is so amazing in our life and is keeping us going. But yet, hopefully... It won't happen, but yet in like two months when this is all over and you know, we just forget about how wonderful a job this person's done by just, you know, stacking shelves, whatever. And it's like, I hope you're getting what I mean, but because I don't really probably have the, the thought out enough in my head to really get to it where I'm going to be. But it's just like, appreciate the stuff now because it's been taken away from us. But let's appreciate the stuff going forward. There was a great, great tweet. Uh, given out yesterday or the day before and I'll put it in the show description because I just for and bad me I just can't remember who tweeted it I have a suspicion I know but I don't want to say it in case I'm wrong um, and I was like what you do now the, where you put your money and where you put your support put it into the things that you want to exist when this is all over so support local industry support local people do this thing you know buy the books of the authors you like buy the comics buy you know support the stuff that you want to take with you into you know our new lives because it seems cert very certain that things aren't going to go back the way they were and I'm, I'm thankful for that i hopefully i'm as i said i'm going into this with a positive kind of outlook that things will change for the better and that this is a great learning experience for all of us so i'm going to try to go into the new future into the new world with a greater appreciation for the simpler things possibly in life or the things that i may have discounted and not been as grateful for and while I always thought of myself as a good person and that I would see everyone as equal and that all this, it's showing, this is definitely showing that I probably don't. And definitely my kind of inability 
to just say what I wanted to say without having to record it eight times to get it right because I was afraid of insulting people or saying the wrong words around it shows me that I have a bit of work to do around this as well. But I'm appreciative that I'm aware of that there and I can um, work on it and I can become better. So this is Ramby, but this is the best I'm going to be able to do around this because I cannot do this for another video. So um, let's be appreciative of the people around us and this, the essential people that we probably weren't aware were as essential to us as they are. So good people of the internet, until our next adventure, be well. And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Moo Moo. And in this episode, I'm just gonna talk a bit about, well, how I'm feeling, I suppose. And the idea behind these videos was to do kind of a daily, I suppose, diary. And what they've kind of turned into very quickly is kind of a topic and stuff like that, which is fine, you know, I'm happy enough to do that kind of thing. But what I found with yesterday's video was that I started overthinking it and I started to kind of get into the train of thought that I used to be when I was doing the, um, you know, like one video a week and I was kind of trying to work things out or whatever, rather than it being kind of off the cuff, just something easy to do, quick five minutes of just saying hello to the world and what the story is. So today I'm just going to say hello to the world and tell you what the story is. So here in Ireland at the minute we're in kind of a pretty much a lockdown. Now last night, uh, this will be a few days ago by the time you see this, but last night the UK um, enforced a big lockdown, a kind of more intense lockdown than we have in Ireland here. Um, but of course because we have the separation between Ireland and Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland being part of the UK has that greater lockdown than we do. And I think the kind of main difference between it is that it's going to be enforced by the police in the UK, whereas at the minute it's not really enforced at all. Like there's no fines for not, you know, for not um, adhering to the rules or whatever. And over the weekend there was a kind of a, a rush, a mad rush to the seaside and to uh, forests and stuff. And like the places were packed, it was a sunny day. And, you know, while there was reports of people being, you know, social distancing, I mean, I don't know how how practical that actually was because I mean, if you go to a beach, you're, you're at some point you're you're always kind of kind of being away from people or whatever, unless it's really really packed. So, but I think the spirit of social distancing is not to go to a packed beach or a packed forest or a park or something like that. And um, here in the town I live in, we definitely are doing the social distancing, and you can see people crossing the streets or walking out, and everyone's kind of doing the the two meters as much as possible um, and all non-essential businesses have been closed and um, literally it's just you know supermarkets pharmacies petrol stations uh, hospitals that kind of stuff you know all like pet shops have closed down and um, all the clothes shops most of the restaurants are just doing takeaway but i think there's there's moved before to it to that to be changed as well but i don't know but in the UK they have this thing where they've set up that you're allowed to leave the house once a day to exercise which I thought that was wonderful like that that's like if they brought that in here I'd be you know I'd be okay with that because that's something I've been doing is leaving the house once a day to you know get out and get some fresh air and to kind of touch in with normality because the thing that I find that by being enclosed and while it's something that I, I do normally anyway when it's kind of a forced enclosure when there's this kind of background apocalypse going on um, you kind of get separated from the outside world and just even walking down and sending you know um like a letter or, or, or i was sending some art the other day and i was like um 
it kind of it grounds you a bit back more in reality and kind of the panic kind of lessens at least for me if you that can only speak for myself where you see that while everything's a bit strange it's like a sunday morning nearly like you know it's like this kind of a spud was saying on the podcast this week you've seen that it's like the whole thing feels like a sunday every day and it is like that but it's even getting out and being around like on a sunday morning equivalent it makes you realise that, you know, it isn't quite exactly the apocalypse, that there's, there is, you know, there's no, if you go to a shop, there's bread, if you go to a shop, there's milk, you know, there's people, you can still talk to people. Though I have noticed people have, in Ireland, we always say kind of hello to each other, even if they're strangers, you know, if you pass people in the street, you just kind of say hello. More kind of rurally, less so in the bigger cities. But that's kind of has stopped, and there's a, you know, I suppose people have this kind of solemnness about them, or they're kind of, maybe they're uh, afraid that, you know, coronavirus is going to come out of people's mouths uh, if they say hello which you know okay um but i hope that that goes back i hope that when this is all over that we go back to saying hello because it's a thing i like like you know about kind of ireland that we have this kind of friendliness towards each other even if we don't know each other but the kind of i was saying the uk to have this what you're allowed to go out one day once a day for exercise and i think you're allowed 20 minutes i'm not quite sure i only kind of read it in passing um, and I think that's the only real difference other than you can be fined heavily if, you know, if you're caught out playing table tennis as they were in uh, Italy when you've seen that video with the, the mayor going crazy with people. So I think that would be very important for people because I know um, if you follow, like, say, people like Conor Habib on Twitter and he's constantly going on about this, that the, that the need for this social interaction is very important and he would be quite opposed to the parks being closed down and um, I totally see his point, but I also see the point of, like, to see the kind of danger in allowing that sort of thing and the the government has kind of said or said last night anyway that it doesn't foresee a time where they're going to close parks and beaches and stuff like that although all of this changes very dramatically day by day and what was said a mere 24 hours ago it could be a lifetime away you know it can seem like a lifetime away when the new developments happen so it might be a case that you're not allowed out and there's some very shocking stories going around on Facebook where people are getting horrified by the fact that people don't seem to be taking this as serious you know, by going to beach, going to forests. And it kind of swinging people get it more serious. But you get things like people posting about, you know, if your child gets this, they will be kept in a room all by themselves and no one will be there to hold them. And, you know, they, they'll be not looked after. They'll be literally on their own because the nurses will be away, other people and the doctors will be away. When they die, you won't be able to see them. They'll be put, they won't even be put into a coffin. You won't be able to have a funeral. And you're just like going, oh man, like I understand that you're trying to um, impress on people, you know, the kind of perceived dangers or the, 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 the dangers around this kind of thing. But I mean, like, there's an element of where I think you can impress seriousness without going to, you know, really panic people. And doing stuff like saying your child is going to die all alone and you're not going to be able to touch them or say goodbye or any of that, it's horrifying. And... I don't think it's helpful. I think trying to find other ways to take people, take it more seriously, than to um, make them feel worse about themselves, worse about their lives, panic a bit more. I think we can kind of subdue the panic as much as possible, but increase the, you know, people taking it serious. And part of this kind of, while we're social distancing, is the need to stay coherent in yourself. And I think this 20 minutes a day of being allowed out for exercise, as it is, looks like going for a walk, essentially, or a run, or whatever it is you do. It's very important because otherwise you're just kind of bombarding yourself with notions and things of your of your of like and visions of children dying or your loved ones dying and all of this. And it's well, it's a possibility. 
it's not it's not the most likely possibility and uh, I've just like so many people I've had to unfollow and uh, and just kind of make myself be aware that everyone is presenting themselves as an expert on the social medias and there's so many people whose friends or whose mother or sister or cousins or auntie has been talking to someone high up in in the government and you know they have the inside scoop and then it doesn't happen and you can get caught up in the drama and I just kind of enough when you start seeing people like the conspiracy theorists talking in the same way that people on Facebook are talking about I was talking to a guy high up in the government as a uh, Armstrong was saying recently um, and David Icke and all of these people have just kind of it's like you're going to go well, and anyone can say that it's like that sources close to the to the family that the newspaper thing can get away with it's just like you can make up anything you want and there's an awful lot of this kind of uh, thing going on and, and Facebook and Twitter and it's just I understand that why people do it that they're scared and need to try to control it or find some way that they can be ahead of the curve in some way or that they have the real picture or they're not going to get fooled or they're not going to get caught out or it's not going to happen to them because I understand what's really going on but it's adding to the sum to it's adding to the fear and you find an awful lot of the conspiracy people or the people who go oh don't believe the the media or I know the inside scoop or all all of that kind of thought all of that kind of process all that kind of speaking you find that an awful lot of them do things like Here's a list of reasons why you should be terrified by what's going to happen. And then kind of the end of it is, but don't be scared because that's what they want you to feel because it's a big sigh up and, you know, you know, media are there to instill fear in you. But you're part of that process too. You know, you're instilling fear. It's a different fear, but it's still instilling fear. So if you're saying, don't be scared of the pandemic, don't be scared of this uh, flu. That's, there's nothing really to that. That's, you know, it's just blown out of proportion by the media. It's... Um, you know, it's a psyop or it's, you know, the elites are, you know, it's all about making digital currencies or closing the borders or, you know, looking at your phones or seeing your dirty knickers or whatever it is that the, that the conspiracy is that they're saying. Don't, you know, don't buy into um, the flu, but buy into the terrifying thing that's really happening that I'm telling you about. But don't, you know, and then finishing up, but don't be scared of anything at all because that's how to, how to get you. And it's like, both sides are adding to the fear at this t at this point, where you have the mainstream media adding to the fear, people on Facebook, you know, like trying their best, I assume, and they're panicking all that, adding to the fear. And then the people saying that it's all rubbish, that it's not, you know, don't be scared or whatever, are also adding to the fear by putting in what, oh, what's really happening. So you're surrounding yourselves by fear. And unless we get out um, for just 20 minutes a day of exercise or in some way have this social interaction while social distancing and taking all the rules. I think long term, we're all going to go a little crazy. And I don't know how that works because I assume that if the things get worse, if, if the, you know, more cases come up in Ireland, more deaths and all that, it will get even more stringent and it'll be that you won't even be allowed out for 20 minutes a day or whatever it is. Um, I know that's the UK, but it's kind of, I assume it will follow suit fairly quick. So for a minute, I'm actually okay. For the most part, I'm not panicking. And most, I'm very hopeful. And I have like um, the reading I did where it's in the, of the Four Servants where it's in about the seal. And it's, you know, keeping your own kind of feelings about what it is. And my, my gut feeling is a good feeling. It's, I, I don't, I don't have a bad sense or a sense of dread about the future. I have a positive, very, more than just, you know, cultivating that. I do have, when I look in, when I have a search inside what is the, 
what is the feeling? What's my gut saying about this? I'm very positive about it. It feels okay. Not okay in that absolutely nothing bad is going to happen, but okay in a kind of grander sense with all things. So I feel a kind of no rightness about it. So I am positive about the future. Just if you're like me, and if you're in a situation where you are allowed in your country to have a walk a day, I think it's important that you do that and not bottle yourself up or lock yourself up. If you're in a country or in a situation where that's not allowed, like Italy where you're just not allowed out, um, or your local link, don't do that. But try to do something equivalent, like go out into your back garden, if again, if that's allowed, or get some air, or get some... Do something that in some way reconnects you with the land, with people, with society, with the greater... That isn't social media. Something that's real, something that's tangible, something that's actual, something that is not virtual. As much as that's important too in different ways and all that. But also don't go to the fucking beaches. <laughs> Thousands of years. And don't go to the forests. You know, don't do this because that, if so many people are, then they're going to take that away. And, that's, you know, not just take away beaches and forests, but take away, you know, any kind of moving out. So as much as stay at home, get your exercise, touch, reconnect with the land. Don't give in to the fear. And, you know, literally, <laughs> if I got into a bath, and had a harp playing in the background, uh, just like Madonna. You know, just we're all equal in this. Uh, you know, everyone's going through it. No one knows what's going on. So don't let other people tell you your truth within all this. You know, have your own cohesion. Your whole, you know, stay, stay true to yourself and be well and look after yourself. And, you know, let's, let's hope that going into the future that we remember the lessons of uh, this time because I think it could be wonderful. It could be a wonderful world we head back into. So, good people of the internet, until tomorrow, be well. And hello, good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Wubu. And in this episode, I thought we'd do something different, and we'd do a quick 10-minute meditation. Now, this is the second time I tried to do this video. Earlier on I was doing it, I was getting near the end, and then there was a tremendous amount of sound that kind of ruined the video, but it should have been a lesson for me to keep up my meditation even when the world around me was erupting into chaos. It's a bit different when you're making a video. I don't want all of your world to erupt into chaos when you're trying to do a meditation with me on YouTube. But it actually worked out quite well in the end because I then noticed a few hours later that Jason Miller is releasing, or has released, his meditation a course which is called Take Back Your Mind. It's free for a week, I think. So um, by the time you see this video, it'll have come out a few days ago, so most of you might have seen it, but if you haven't, I'll put the link in the show description as well. And uh, just Miller knows what he's talking about. So I'm obviously not going to go into as much depth as you would in a course. In this one, we're just going to do some mindless, mindful, <laughs> mindfulness meditation, basically counting our breaths. I'm going to do it for 10 minutes. I'm sitting on my cushion. I do a kind of a cross-legged thing. I don't do the, the lotus posture, because I can't. I used to be able to do it, but now I can't. Um, but you can, you know, sit on a chair, keep your back straight, it's kind of the main kind of thing. Sit in the chair, sit with your arms on your, le uh, on your, you know, your lap or your legs. You can sit, uh, if you're good at yoga, you can do the lotus posture. You can lie down, of course, if you want, but the, the problem with lying down is that there's a tendency to fall asleep. Um, you want to get into a very relaxed kind of state, but it's a wakeful, alert relaxation. It's not a sleepy um, kind of dullness. 
And the whole kind of thing, if you're completely new to meditation, is that you just uh, count your breaths. So it'll be uh, inhale one, exhale two, to the point to the count of ten, and we go back to one again. And if you find that your mind has wandered a bit, you just gently go back to counting, either from the number that you last remember or from the beginning again. Don't berate yourself, don't feel bad. The main thing about meditation is that it is this kind of thing where you notice your mind has gone somewhere else and then you bring it back rather than a kind of, you know, people go, people go, oh, I tried to meditate, meditate. <laughs> I tried to meditate on my, you know, I just couldn't keep a still mind. And no one can keep a still mind apart from, you know, the Zen masters and stuff. Um, but the, the meditation itself, the practice is realizing that you haven't kept a still mind and it's gently bringing it back. So for the beginning, well, we'll get into a comfortable thing. I will put on our timer so that we know. And it would help. Oh, I do have it. So just relax into whatever kind of posture you're in and uh, just we'll start with some deep breaths in through the mouth, in through the nose and out through the mouth. The, but we return to just um, nose only breathing when we're doing the meditation proper. When you're breathing out, kind of try and let all, you know, your muscles relax and as if you're breathing out tension. So. In. And out. In. And out. And one last one. In. And out. Let all the tension out. Now gently close your eyes. And before we get into the meditation proper, we're just going to check in with our body a bit. So you can either scan from the top of your head down to your toes and kind of just kind of feel out, you know, is there any tension in your body anywhere? Is there any kind of stiffness? Is there any areas of hot or cold? Don't try to adjust anything unless it's really painful. Um, just be aware of it. Just kind of tune into how your body is and tune in how you are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of these things. Just kind of catch yourself in the moment of where you are now. Kind of tune into what's around you. Like here, the room you're in. Don't get lost in the noise. Don't, you know, don't go away with the birds chirping in the background. Just gently notice it. Have a listen to your emails coming in in the background. And then in your own time, just become more aware of your breathing. Don't try to change your breath. Don't try to slow it down or do anything. Just be aware of it. Where in your body your breath is, is this, can you feel it the strongest? Might be on the tip of your nose. Might be on your chest. And just be careful of bringing your shoulders up towards your ears. Just relax them back then. And in your own time, just start counting the breaths. One on the inhale, two on the exhale, all the way, all the way up to the count of 10, and then just gently return to one again. And when your mind wanders, just go back to the counting.
And remember, if your mind starts wandering, if you start thinking with things, don't give out to yourself. Just gently return to the counting of the breaths. Either from the number you last remember, or just from the beginning. And just make sure that you're counting the breaths, that you haven't counted all the way up to 20, or that you haven't just lost count. And just gently come back to the beginning or to where you left off.
And just as now we're coming to the end of this, just keep your eyes closed just for a second. Just start becoming more aware of the room around you again. And the sounds that are in the room. The kind of temperature the room is in. Many other kind of sensations for the room. One last big deep breath in and out. And then gently, and in your own time, open your eyes. So I hope you enjoyed that. A couple of tips I've learned on counting is that um, if you wait till the end of the movement, it can sometimes be uh, more helpful that your mind doesn't wander so much so that instead of counting one as you breathe in, it's you inhale one, and then exhale two. It kind of can be sometimes the gaps between the stages of the breath that can be the point where your brain goes, oh, what about that electricity bill or whatever. Um, my kind of thing, one of the things I find is that my mind will can continue counting, but yet I can still think about the electricity bill, but in the background there's this automaton that's still doing the counting. And that can be quite annoying because you still feel you're still doing it, but at the same time cheating because you're, you know, working out some work problem or something. And the best of that is just to kind of concentrate on the physicality of the breathing rather than the counting. Always be aware of where it is in your body more than where it is where you are in the counting, you know. If that's in the, some people feel it best on their nose, I don't. I feel it more in my body where it's moving and I can feel the movement. So if my mind's going too much, if I return to the physicality, to the, to the kind of movement of the breath rather than the counting, that can help too. But after all that, it's just it's practice and... Uh, you know, it's just plenty of different kind of, I suppose, different approaches to meditation, but they all kind of come around to the same kind of thing of just sitting down, shutting up and be quiet and just trying, you know, quiet everything down. But definitely don't have any anger toward yourself or frustration or annoyance when your mind goes way off. Even if you go off for five minutes before you realize you come back, you've realized and come back and that's that's good enough. That's what we're doing. That's what the whole point of meditation is. And some days you'll have wonderful meditations where from start to finish, you're in the zone. And then if you're anything like me, you'll have weeks where it's the opposite, where you're just sitting there in the kind of, uh, I don't know, the worst of the worst, just thinking you're getting nowhere with it. But of course, you always are. So good people of the internet, I hope that was nice and I hope it was a change of pace. And if you have any suggestions for different things you'd like me to do in these videos, please suggest them because a video day, not that it's hard work, it's certainly not hard work, it's fun, but um, I'm, you know, I'm very open and will welcome any suggestions you have on what I could talk about or do on the different days. So good people of the internet, until our next adventure, be well. Yeah.